Amen. That was a blessing. Thank you so much, Pastor Abel, for just always being faithful in uh, serving the Lord through the ministry of music. And thank God for the gift of music that He has given to our church. Amen. Uh, we know one of the uh, most amazing and integral part of our worship service is uh, godly sacred music that we practice here in the, in the church, isn't it? So we thank God for our young people playing their instruments, and uh, I hope that uh, they're doing it with joy. Amen. And uh, the mindset that it's always a blessing to serve the Lord. And thank God for preserving the voice of Pastor Abel. And uh, also for our choir, thank you for faithfully singing for the glory of God and just being uh, consistent with your practice. And if we miss our practices, then Pastor Abel is faithful and consistent in sending the songs in, uh, through the email so we can have uh, time to listen to them. And uh, all the reason is for the glory of God. Amen? It's all about God. It's all about His uh, Son, Jesus Christ, that we're trying to please and glorify. And thank you for your presence this afternoon. I know it's a trying time because uh, it's the hour of temptation. <laughs> all right, after... Uh, a good uh, agape fellowship, a good meal, and a good uh, dose of the Word of God already heard uh, since last Sunday, Wednesday, Friday. But uh, I believe our spiritual cup is still uh, uh, has space, amen, to receive God's Word uh, this afternoon. So I asked Pastor Jeter to preach this morning so I could continue my uh, study, my lesson in the book of Romans. So this is like a dessert. For you guys, and uh, thank God for the opportunity to uh, share God's word. I hope you will uh, enjoy it and not endure it. Amen. So uh, I've been blessed personally this week. Uh, we know next, uh, oh, tomorrow is Labor Day, isn't it? Thank God for good, solid labor laws here in America. And for a Christian, I have a verse here in Hebrews 6:10. Uh, Hebrews 6:10. I always say I put this the verse after and then of an email or letter to some of our missionary friends when it says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which he have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Isn't it? As Christians, we are saved to serve. Amen? We are all called ministers of Christ, not just the clergy or the pastor that are ministering, but we are called to serve one another, to minister toward one another. And I thank you, brethren, from the bottom of my heart for ministering to me and my family, uh, for our fellow missionaries and fellow laborers in the Lord whenever they come. And uh, they know of our church as small as it is, but we thank God for the heart of God's people here in Bergen, for their willing hand to share, amen, to extend the blessing of God in their lives even if it is simple or great, and God is not forgetful, amen, to remember your labor of love. And uh, Brother John uh, prayed this morning, I believe, one of the uh, opening prayers, and he mentioned 1 Corinthians 15, 57, and 58, uh, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, but thanks be to God, which give it us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, therefore, and th that therefore, is consists of the following verses in 1 Corinthians 15. And we know 1 Corinthians 15 is one of the greatest chapters about what, God's people? Yes, the gospel. And the gospel includes the death, burial, and 
resurrection, the great chapter about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, when Paul emphasized without the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ, our preaching in vain, we are still lost in sin. So he says, therefore, my brethren, or my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So thank God our labor, our work, our um, things that we do for the glory of God, when we do it in the right perspective, in the right heart, out of a love for God is never in vain. Amen? It's never in vain. So this, it's, it might be simple as like opening your doors of your home to have Bible study or uh, praying for someone or uh, giving somebody uh, some money to help them out or uh, assisting someone in time of need. Amen? It's never, never in vain. It's a good work that God will always record when it's done through His name and for His glory. So, enjoy your Labor Day tomorrow. Amen? And cease from your labor. And uh, you can see in my eye bags the labor I had because we are moving to a different place uh, in 12-24. I will not say the exact address because we are recorded. But for those who are here, you are invited to go there for a simple Thanksgiving uh, celebration of the new place that God had provided for the family. And I'm, I said I'm personally blessed this week because uh, me and my wife celebrated our uh, 19th wedding anniversary, uh, August the 30th. And uh, we also remember Sister Emia who celebrated her first couple of months in glory in heaven. And then also we remember Sister Lela, same day. And then also we had the celebration of uh, Eloise Grace Buffett, Joy. <laughs> there you go. Allah, na confess na si Pastor. I hope, you know. Thank you for reminding uh, that good virtue. Oh, I hope I still remember her name uh, when she gets older. Eloise Hope, uh, third birthday. We have a tea party here. So it was really good. It was really amazing. So, so God is good. So, uh, so much sweets and everything. And then uh, we had the Friday uh, home Bible study with some groups that joined. Uh, we're so blessed again by the Word of God and the sweet. So uh, I'm, I'm very blessed. And uh, uh, please pray for us. It's uh, a new chapter of our lives. It's, we're in an adjustment period, so to speak, uh, with, this, with the kids having a different place and different school uh, for, for uh, Lena. But, but God is uh, good all the time. He has showered us with so much blessings that we are so undeserving. So thank you, church, for your Support, love, and prayers, and um, we'll celebrate a little bit later uh, in that place if you're available. So, uh, whenever I have a wedding anniversary uh, and whenever I preach, uh, Sister J always remind me of the word KISS, isn't it? Just to be sweet. Uh, there's an acronym and definition for that, isn't it? So, keep it short, simple. Or keep it short, Sam. Or keep it short, stupid, if you don't do it like <laughs> short so all right so excuse me for the word but um uh thank god for 19 years and counting it's like that show in tlc isn't it the dagger family 19 kids and counting imagine that you know but uh god is just gracious and um merciful to us so for all those people that will be celebrating their wedding anniversary and um your marriage it's only really by the grace of god amen 
that we can still be together and the love of God that binds us together. So, all right, let's go to our lesson. Um, uh, we will open our Bibles in the book of Romans. The book of Romans. So just a quick uh, overview of the Word of God. All right. And uh, thank God for the morning message from Pastor Jether about faith. And it touched something that I need to say today. So hopefully uh, we'll be short. Amen? But I don't want to make a promise because sometimes preachers break it. You know, when they... and. and Anaman ako yata to kay Pastor Max eh. Become long-winded. <laughs> Pag nagaganahan mag-preach. Amen? And, uh, well, that's our business here. Amen? Just to share God's word to be a channel of blessing. And uh, I really like what um, one of our brethren said here. Our church is blessed because even though we are small, we, you know, so sometimes independent, we don't really have like, you know, uh, other churches that we fellowship. But, the ministers and evangelist preachers from other churches are the ones who come here and bless our hearts. And uh, one thing I uh, act actually like uh, implement also with Pastor Max that he is, you know, uh, uh, open and, and understanding, of course, to let uh, preachers here who have the same faith and practice that we have. Amen? to share God's word because it's a variety, parang, ano, uh, parang buffet, amen, different style, and of course, uh, uh, whoever is standing behind this pulpit, amen, we need to pray for them, we need to ask God that the Lord will use them uh, and anoint them, and we always look at the message, amen, uh, the message of uh, the scripture, not really not just the man, but the message, so it's only by the grace of God. We can stand behind this pulpit and share God's word. So, we know uh, Romans has been called the constitution of Christianity, the Christian manifesto, and the cathedral of the Christian faith. For a quick uh, summary or synopsis of the book, chapters 1 to 3 deals with sin. Everybody is guilty before God. The world is guilty before God. The heathen, the Gentiles are guilty, the pagan in chapter 1. In chapter 2, the hypocrite, those are morally concerned people who those who try to obey the law are also guilty before God. And then the Hebrews are also guilty before God. Even if you're a Jew, you're given the oracles of God, you're given uh, the lineage that you are proud of, being coming from Abraham, amen? Give, given the law, coming from the 12 tribes of Israel, you're still guilty in your sin before God. So everybody is Guilty before God, and God has to condemn that sin. So everybody's guilty. No excuse. But thanks be to God, there is the doctrine of justification. Amen? We are declared righteous legally in the eyes of God. Through that doctrine also, we will discuss later of imputation. And that what we studied last Sunday about the federal headship of Adam. Then from verses 7 to 8, we see here the sanctification. Then the sovereignty of God from chapters 9 to 11. God is always sovereign in His dealing with His people, Israel, and His dealings with mankind as a whole. Then from verses 12 to 15 is service. So a simple uh, summary of that book study that we're uh, doing right now. So before we continue on, let's uh, give this moment unto the Lord for His blessing. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we bless Your name. We thank You for another opportunity to open the Bible. And by your grace, Lord, rightly divide the word of truth. 
And um, we come to you, Lord, even me personally, um, asking for your uh, cleansing and forgiveness. And we humble ourselves before you, Lord, knowing that we are nothing apart from thy grace. And we ask for your Holy Spirit, Lord, to teach us or remind us and instruct us of the truths that you have set before us this afternoon, that it will continue to strengthen our faith, that it will allow us, Lord, to continue and not lose of the greatness, the goodness of God in our lives when it regards to our salvation, that we will appreciate this great, so great salvation that we have in Jesus, that it will continue to motivate us, Lord, and drive us to continue to serve you and to continue, Lord, to walk by faith and to continue, Lord, to endure trials and tribulations that we might encounter in our Christian walk with thee. So we pray, Father, that you uh, keep us safe while we're having this uh, Bible study. Lord, um, give us listening ears and understanding heart. And I hope and pray, Lord, and my desire that something that is shared this afternoon will be a blessing to thy people. And if there's any person who hears this message that's still lost in their sin, Lord, by your grace, Lord, uh, save them. And may they realize that it's only Jesus that can give them a new life and a life worth living. And we pray, Father, that you continue to sustain us with your wonderful grace, for we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right? Okay, let's turn to uh, Romans chapter 4. Uh, we'll see here, as the first three chapters tells us, that the whole world is guilty before God. As I mentioned a while ago, the heathen, the hypocrite, the Hebrew are guilty. Then God gave us this wonderful and classic definition, how a man is justified, how man is saved. And we know from the scripture that it's only by the grace of God that any man can be saved. Amen? And there's degree of faith in every, what we call dispensation, every time period in the history of the Bible. But here is a classic um, illustration in the Bible that Abraham was justified by faith before the law. Amen? And if you look there in verse 6, David is also justified by faith after the law was given. So we see here, they were also given with Abraham the circumcision as a sign of an inward change that will manifest itself outward but that, but that sign of circumcision which means Abraham was set apart as a family, as an individual later on, as a nation, to do the will of God. Amen? To show among the pagan world, the Gentile world, that there is one true God that desires them to know the truth. So, thank God for justification. Amen? That we are declared righteous before a holy and a just God. And it's not our own righteousness. It's always the righteousness of Christ Jesus our Lord. So, and then in verse 5, we see here the benefits of justification, the results of justification. It says there, therefore, in verse 1, being justified by faith. We are saved by grace, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, through faith. So, grace is the one that saved us and the means that save us is the faith. Amen? It's the vehicle that gets uh, get us there. So, uh, 
that saving faith when a person believes when they hear the gospel, all right? We are justified, declared righteous before God, legally termed by faith. Then it says there the benefits. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad, Christian, we have peace with God? Because before we got saved, the Bible says we are enmity. We are enemy of God. God's right, God's wrath abided in man already. We are already condemned. And that sounds so harsh, isn't it? But that's what the Bible says. That's the truth. Unless God will work in our hearts and save us, we are under that condemnation. And then the, another blessing in verse 2, by whom also we have. What's the next word as you look at your Bible or in the screen? Access. Amen? By whom also we have access. Aren't you glad we have a line, a connection to heaven? And I, I'm glad what Pastor Abel made an illustration about connection. Isn't it? Because it's hard when you thought you have a connection, but you don't really have any connection. Do you know, brethren, just to remind you, there are so many religious, devoted people in the world. And the Bible declares that a lot of people will say, Lord, Lord, isn't it? We prophesied according to your name in the gospel. We did this, we did that. We preached this, we preached that. And they thought they are connected to the one true God. But Christ sadly says, the tragic thing that Christ said, depart from me, I never knew you. Aren't you glad Christians, you know, we have the access to God the Father through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our mediator. He's our intercessor. He's our advocate. He's our attorney. He's our lawyer through the Father. Thank God when we pray, it doesn't just reach the ceiling. Amen? It doesn't just produce carbon monoxide from our breath and then it falls down. It never reaches the third heaven. Aren't you glad when Christ died on the cross of Calvary? You know, He broke that partition, as the Bible says, between man and a righteous holy God when that, you know, curtain in the holiest of holies was rented from top to bottom. Amen? We, ha we are now uh, have the priesthood of the believers. We don't have to go to a priest like our old faith to be able to intercede and connect with God. Now we can go personally, individually and have an audience before a mighty and glorious and wonderful God anytime, anywhere. That's why prayer is such a privilege. Amen? Because we call and the Lord listens and hears us, despite of us. Amen? So we have access through God and by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice, another blessing, in hope of the glory of God. This hope is not just uh, like presumptuous uh, feeling, but this hope speaks of reality. Amen? The confidence that we have in the Lord. Our hope is based on the solid and, you know, immutable word of God. And it says in verse 3, And not only so, but be glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. You know? And patience, experience or character, and experience hope, and hope maketh no shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. As I read this passage of Scripture, I hope it will bless our heart. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. And we love this verse of Scripture. It's part of the Romans road, amen, that we use when we 
um, share the gospel. But God commended or demonstrated or proved His love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank God. God accept us the way we are when we come to Him for salvation. Isn't it? He didn't tell us, all right, you have to turn into a new leaf. You have to re reform yourself. You have to do this and that. You have to set uh, you have to obey these commandments first before I will listen to your prayer of salvation, before I'll save you. When a person comes to God with an open heart and realization of his loss or her lost sinful condition and repent of their sins and receive that free gift of eternal life, God will save that person. Amen? Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's why in verse 9 it says, Much more than being now justified by his blood. Let's pause there. You know, we always preach about the preciousness of the blood of Christ. You know, uh, sometimes people think that our, our, our belief system, Christianity, is such a, is such a bloody violent, you know, about the cross, about the blood. But the Bible says without the shedding of Christ's blood, there is no remission. There's no forgiveness because that blood is the one that covers and cleanses and washes away the sins of an individual and the sins of the world. Thanks be to God for Jesus Christ for that sacrificial and ultimate sacrifice He had on the cross. We are justified by His blood. Imagine God bled for us. Amen? In the person of Jesus. Never before in eternity past or in the eternity future that will happen again. Christ died once and for all for the justification of the elect of the Christians that will receive Him by faith. We shall be saved, past tense, amen, from wrath through Him. Amen? For if we, if, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Then from verses 12 all the way to verses 21, that would be our quick study this afternoon. This speaks about sin through Adam in my study Bible here and salvation through Christ. And we studied the Adam family last week, isn't it? We see the contrast, the comparison between the first Adam and the second and the last, the perfect Adam, which is Christ Jesus. All right? So we learned from last time that the first Adam was real. He was ruined because of sin, and he is also our representative. His real is ruined because of sin, and he's our representative. So we have this, what we call the headship of Adam. All right? Allow me to read this exposition about that. Adam, the federal head of the human race, was also the seminal head. The word seminal or seed, in other words, implies that everyone existed in seed form within Adam and that he was the head of the human race. We were all in the body of Adam when he sinned, just as Levi was in the body of Abraham when he met Melchizedek. That's a good illustration, isn't it? If we turn to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 10, because I don't know if you encounter this verse of Scripture, how come I'm also guilty, I'm also a sinner, by imputation, by inheritance, and of course, involvement, isn't it? When you break the law. And everybody breaks the law, the commandments of God. But how come, if Adam only sinned, how come the whole human race is also guilty of sin? 
why are also already condemned under the wrath of God? This speaks of that question, the answer for that question. Uh, an example here, Hebrews 7, verse 10. For he was yet in the loins. Oh, let me read uh, verse 9. And as I may so say, Levi also who received tithes. Amen? Paid tithes in Abraham. It's a blessing to be able to give our tithes. Amen? Because it's always scriptural. Amen? And they said, oh, it's just Old Testament. It we're now in New Testament. Actually, the New Testament requires more than the Old Testament. Amen? Right now, it's gracious giving. Amen? As the Lord prospereth you, the Bible says. So give unto the Lord the first day of the week, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians. But there's always a standard because you can always say, oh, I, I'm giving this to according to my heart. But if you earn $1,000 and you give only $1, <laughs> is, that, is that pleasing or fair in the eyes of God? That's why there's a standard. At least 10% you return, amen? And you trust God for the 90%. God bless this 90%. Use it for your glory. Uh, prosper it so I could be a channel blessing to my family and others. So it's a, it's a good principle, amen? Because if you're really going to do uh, tithing in the Old Testament, uh, really, it's even more. It's like at least 30%. And we have a group of people that do that. Uh, and other religion that they give as much. So, you know, we don't give gradually to the Lord. We give because we would like to honor the Lord for what He has done for us. Amen? It's the least we can do for the Lord when we give our finances to Him because He gave everything to us anyway. Our life, uh, our faith, our family, our friends, every spiritual blessings, material blessings comes from Him. But look at this example. Levi also, who was not born yet, Received tithes, paid to tithes in Abraham, for he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. We know Christ is not in the order of the ironic priest in the time of, uh, 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 what do you call this, the, the writing of this scripture. Uh, Christ is more in the order of Melchizedek. You know, because like, a, a priest before God is somebody that represents God to man, isn't it? But look at the order of the priesthood of Christ. And some Bible scholars are saying they thought that Melchizedek, when we read, he has no, son, no father, no mother, no beginning. They said he's like a Christophany, the pre-Bethlehem appearance of Christ, uh, appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. So he's in the order of Melchizedek, that priesthood, not in the order of ironic or Levi priesthood. But look at this. The point is, he already gave tithes because Levi was in the loins, seed form of Abraham as the father. So the same thing with Adam, all right? All of the human race were in a seed form. He is our federal head. He is our representative. So in that sense, every member of the human race played a part in the fall of men. When Adam sinned, we were actually sinning with him. You know, Adam was also the federal head of the race. In this sense, Adam's vote for sin is similar to the vote of a representative in the legislature, in Congress, or Senate, who by his vote obligates his constituents for certain indebtedness. Isn't it? We're familiar with that, and election is coming again, isn't it? We are represented by a rep represented by our congressman and senator, and I love uh, the way of uh, democracy here in America, all right? 
the electoral votes and just makes sense, isn't it? So the same thing here, we are in Adam in the seed form, so that's why he is our federal head. So while Adam's disobedience resulted in the human race being plunged into sin, the blessing is, as we learn, the obedience of Christ, the second Adam, gives Christians the power to overcome sin in their lives. So it's a blessing that we have that kind of situation before God. So we learn from last time, Adam was real. He was ruined. He was our representative. And because uh, as a representative, he brought death, sin nature, and judgment to the whole human race. We see all that we lost in sin, but thanks be to God, we can see all we gain thanks to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We lost so much in Adam, but the title of our message, we have much more in Jesus Christ. Amen? Thanks be to God for that. So, what do we gain? Much more. It says over and over again from verses uh, 11 all the way to verse 21. I think three or four times it was said, we gain much more in Christ. And it reminds me of the question of Pastor Abel a while ago. Can the fallen angels be saved? All right? All right? So how can we answer that through the word of God? Why or why not can the fallen angels be saved? We believe from the scripture that they cannot be saved, those that had rebelled against God. If you look at Revelation 12, 7, uh, the great dragon there, Michael, had a uh, fight with them. And I believe this speaks of the rebellion, the original rebellion of Satan in heaven. And there's also a cross-reference here. In the book of Isaiah, we don't have time to, to go there. I'll just mention you the pas passage of Scripture for those note-takers. We see here the fall of Lucifer. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 to 15. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 12 to 16. All right? So, in 2 Peter, though, chapter 2, verse 4. Okay, just a side note here. Let's look there. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 is not in the slide. But it says here, For if God spared not the angels that sin, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. All right? Then let's turn to Jude chap uh, chapter 6. There's only one chapter. Amen? reaction. All right? Jude verse 6. All right? And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he had reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto judgment of the great day. All right, so those that rebel against God, some of them were chained in darkness in hell. Those are some of the angels that will come out in the great tribulation, the second three and a half, to punish unrepentant sinful men during that time. And others who became demons, isn't it? Were already here on earth. Even in the times of uh, Jesus Christ, they were casting demons, all right? So these are the fallen angels. So can they be saved? No. Why? Because they are not a race. They sinned against God individually. They were judged individually. They have no federal head, so no individual can save them. 
But you and I were lost in Adam. We have a federal head. We have a representative and can be saved by one man in Christ. That's the blessing of it. Amen? You know, we, we, we marvel about the angels. You know, a lot of uh, people nowadays, of course, we always savor supernatural things, isn't it? There's even a, uh, a TV series, Supernatural, you know, in CW, I think. It deals with demons and angels and stuff like that. So we are, we are always like, uh, we, there's even a passive scripture, don't be uh, weary in entertaining strangers because they might be angels unawares, you're, you know. And God used, of course, angels as a messenger uh, of God's message towards men. He uses angels, and there's different classification of them. And that's one of the elective course in FBI. There's the uh, cherubim, like Lucifer. They, they guard the throne room of God. There are the seraphims with six wings and this description that worship God night and day. They are warrior angels that God sent. Even an angel killed 186,000 soldiers in one night. You know, and messenger angels like Gabriel. But when they rebel against God, that third part of the angels in heaven sin individually. And they don't have any more means for them to be saved. And the Bible is silent. You know, do, do, do angels rebel now? After they rebelled and they fall into grace? We don't know, isn't it? But we know a third of them during that time rebelled against God and became the minions, the demons of Satan. But aren't you glad the psalmist says we are made a little lower than the angels? They are superior, mightier. Than us, intellectually speaking, uh, physically speaking, they're stronger. And imagine they can be in the presence of God because they are, you know, holy and sanctified and righteous. And of course, we cannot be in the presence of God in our form right now, isn't it? It's like Moses. When he, he asked the Lord, I want to see your glory. Moses in his sinful State cannot really stand the majestic glory of God. He will disintegrate, isn't it? It's, it's like a high priest who goes to the holiest of holies for the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, once a year. He has to like really examine himself, make all the rituals, be able to go there. And, and traditional uh, tells us that they have to put a, a, a rope, uh, you know, in their midsection. And they have belts in their, in their garments because the holiest of holy is the most holiest place on earth where God's presence is there, where the mercy seat in that Ark of Covenant are, uh, made that sacrifice once every year to cover the sins of the nations of Israel. And if a sin is found in, in the heart of that high priest, they are smitten of God. Remember the story there was the high priest, you know, holding the Ark of the Covenant, and they are the only one permitted to touch the Ark of the Covenant, and it started falling, tip, tipping on one side, and another person who had a good heart tried to help them, and he was smitten, struck by God, he died. So, look at that. Very, very sacred, sanctified, holy. And angels are like that, but look at that. The psalmist says, we are made a little lower than the angels, but when the angels sin before God. There's no more second chance. But how come we, as human beings, sin and God made another second chance for us to be redeemed? So isn't it God is so gracious? God is so good during the time of Adam, all the way right now in our time. God is so gracious. Why? Because probably I could say 
we are created in the image of God. And God is so much glorified when a person trusts Him and received Him and served Him and will be conformed in the image of His only begotten Son one of these days. Amen? Especially for all eternity. It just baffles my mind how the Lord is so gracious to all of us, how He loves us. So, let's get back. Amen? They sin individually, so no individually can save them. There's no federal head, but thanks be to God, we have one in the person of Jesus Christ. So, uh, a few things I'd like to give to you. How Christ is much more, much more what we gain in Him than what we lost in Adam. First thing that we can see, um, the redemptive act of Christ was much greater than the condemning act of Adam. All right? Let's go back to Romans chapter 5, verse 15. Romans 5, verse 15. The Bible says, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God, and the gift by grace which is by man, one man, Jesus Christ, had abounded unto many. Allow me to read the verses of Scripture. And not as it was by one that sin, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Verse 17, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Remember, last time we saw by one many times here, and also reign a few times in this passage of Scripture, and much more a few times in this passage of, of Scripture. Verse 18, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, speaking of Christ, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, that's Adam, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous, that's Jesus Christ, second Adam. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, because where is the knowledge of the law? This is the knowledge of sin, isn't it? Because the law always points us of our inability to save ourselves. It points us to our guilt, amen? That only the sacrifice of Christ can abolish that guilt and perfect the requirement of God's righteousness. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Much more! The grace of God. That as sin had reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So, in verse 15, it emphasizes here that the redemptive act of Christ was much greater than the condemning act of God. The condemning act of Adam. I'm sorry. Alright? So it says here, God's grace is more powerful than man's sin. Amen? God's grace is more powerful than man's sin. Even though man's sin had far-reaching effects, what Christ did is much more far-reaching. For instance, when a person gets saved, their spirit is quickened. We can find that in one of the verses of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. All right? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And you had he quickened who were dead and trespasses and sin. He made us alive, quicken us, you know, 
who were dead in trespasses and sin. And that means our spirit was dead, what, but we are born again to God's family and they become, we become spiritually alive. All right? Uh, I don't believe in the total depravity of man. Amen? Because God will enable us to respond to Him. He has given us a free will. Amen? But it goes farther than that because not only did I receive spiritual life when I got saved, but I also received the life of God, eternal life. Remember, when God breathed into Adam, into his nostrils, Adam became a living soul. All right? Of course, we are created in the image of God, so we are a tripart, tripartite being. As God is a trinity, you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, we also have three, three parts, essential parts. Of course, our body, which is the tabernacle, as the Bible says, which is the outside shell, is like our temporary tent, amen? It's our world conscious. Ito yung dinadamitan natin, amen? Pinipedicuran, amen? Binubusog, all right? Uh, all shape and form, all colors, but there's only one blood, amen? It's human blood, it's the human race, it's all red, isn't it? So the body is the world conscious, and of course, you know, God breathed and man became a living soul. That's our soul, all right? And that's your self-conscious, who you are. And the Bible says he gave us also his spirit. That's God's conscious. But when man fell into sin, Adam fell into sin, that spirit part became dead. The way to communicate to God, because our sin is our obstacle, hindrance before a righteous and holy God. That's why it has to be made alive, isn't it? There's still a soul. And, and uh, I, I remember I asked uh, our, our brother in the Lord, like, we had a question and discussion among the men, like, we know God created everything, isn't it? And God made things that are good. So how about the soul of man? How about the soul of uh, the baby? If, if that soul is already tainted with sin, and God is the author and the source of life, did, he, did God made a soul that is sinful? If God is holy and righteous, and the explanation is when God created everything, He created everything already. There's nothing being recreated right now. Isn't it? When God created the world in six literal days and He said everything was good. So everything, even for man, we already created in seed form with Adam. Everybody that will be born. So God did not create a soul that is sinful. God gave life. But it was man who ruined that life. Isn't it? When man fell into sin. So that's probably the, the answer, Brother Bob. <laughs> you know? But God gave us, that's why a marriage is so sacred. You know, when a man and a woman join in flesh in marriage to recreate, uh, to produce life, amen, all right? To have a baby because, you know, God is the author of life and we transfer, you know, our, our sinfulness because the Bible says we are born in sin, isn't it? We, don't, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Other translation, oh, kaya siya pangit kasi he was fearfully made. No, no, that's just a joke. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. It means we are made originally in the image of God. Adam, technically, isn't it? And now we are made in the image of our federal head who had fallen to sin. But thanks be to God, the redemptive act of God is greater than the condemning act of Adam. 
I think that's all I'm trying to say, amen, in this first point, all right? But I just want you to think a little bit with me, amen? So you, you'll stay away, all right? But it goes farther than that. As I said, He redeemed us, but He gave us spiritual life. At salvation, we are restored to the state of Adam's original innocence. Wow, it's so hard to fathom that. Because we lost, they lost their innocence, isn't it? Before God, perfect place. Uh, but God, in His sovereign will, also created them with a perfect free will as a moral free agent. So they will love God out of their choice, not being forced, because it's not going to be a perfect garden, a perfect world if God is a dictator, isn't it? We'll, cho uh, we'll force them to love. It has to be a love that is shared and received and reciprocate. It's a love relationship. That's why they are given the free moral choice either to disobey God or to obey God. And we know the story. Amen? So it goes farther than that because Christ shared with us the full righteousness of Christ, as I mentioned, the doctrine of imputation, even though sin is imputed to us in behalf of Adam, it, we inherited it, we are involved with it, but thank God, also the righteousness of Christ that he purchased for us while he was living here on earth. Amen? Fulfilled all the law, obeyed all the commandments, is also imputed in our behalf, in our account. So God did not just declare us righteous, forgive us of our sins, but when we go to heaven, we can enter heaven because He can see the righteousness of Jesus in our behalf. You are made righteous, you can go to heaven. You are fit to go and enter heaven, the holy place of God, because God the Father sees the righteousness of His Son in whom He is always well pleased. That's why we always say, if you have Jesus, you have everything. Amen? We gain so much more in Christ. Additionally, the power of Adam's sin can be broken. Jesus breaks the power of sin and death, but the opposite is not true. Sin and death cannot break the power of Jesus. The condemnation of Adam's sin is reversible, but the redemptive act of Christ cannot be undone. Aren't you glad for that? That's why the effect of Adam's in us is permanent unless it is nullified by Jesus, but the effect of Jesus' act on our behalf is permanent on us who believe and is not subject to reversal. That's why we believe in eternal salvation. Whenever, if you are genuinely born again, if you are really saved, you never lose your salvation. It cannot be undone, it cannot be irreversible because it's everlasting life. Uh, many passages of scripture, no one can pluck it out from the If you are really genuinely eternally saved if you are born from above. That's why it bothers me when people talk about eternal security like it is just a peripheral issue. What's the difference between your beliefs and that other church belief or other groups believe? Sometimes we answer, they believe you can lose your salvation and we don't. Amen. By the grace of God. Sometimes that's the only real difference. We mention it lightly like it is some insignificant peripheral issue but it is not. If you say a person can lose their salvation, you are saying that Adam's condemning act is more powerful than Christ's redemptive act and can override it, which is not so. Amen? So much for this much more passage in Romans 5 if that happens. God's grace, once again, is greater than all our sin. But once again, we are reminded it's not a license to sin. It's not a license to say, oh, God's grace abound more 
where sin abound. It's not a license. It's not, as we heard preaching here, oh, okay, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Uh, no one can separate me from the Lamb of God. Then I can do whatever I please. I can live the way I want to live, apart from the instruction of the Scripture. No? Uh, Pastor Jeter remind us, if you are really a child of God, you're really born-again believer, if you are really sin before God, if you are a child, you will be convicted by His Holy Spirit. Amen? He will draw you to those scriptures, the hearing, the preaching of God's word. Then you have to ask God for forgiveness, repent. If you don't do so, harden your heart, you'll be chastened. You'll be corrected. The second C, as a true son of God, because God will not chasten somebody who is bastard or illegitimate. He's not going to chasten the, 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 the devil's children, isn't it? So, so that means if you are chastened, you are really his own. But if you will not, you know, uh, submit to that and repent, then the calling of home prematurely. And that's one of the worst that could happen to a, a Christian, isn't it? They will lose their rewards. They will lose the chance to grow in their faith and serve God. You see? God's grace still is greater than all our sin. Moving on, number two. What Christ did is much greater in its extent than what Adam did. All right? The redemptive act of Christ is greater than the condemning act of Adam, but also it is greater by its extent. Look at verse 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. We know God hates sin so much that it only took one sin to condemn the entire human race and separate us from his presence. That's how holy God is. It's not that it was such a new sin that Adam committed. It was a disobedience, isn't it? That's eating of the forbidden fruit. You know, he probably went on to do far worse in man's eyes. We don't know. All right? The Bible is silent. Probably he did other sin. You know? But in God's eyes, no sin can appear for even a moment without justice having to be done. Because he cannot tolerate it. He cannot sweep it under the rug. He has to punish it because he's righteous and holy. So let this soak in that it only took one little sin to plunge the entire human race into darkness. But verse 16 re reveals there's only one thing greater than God's hatred for sin, and that is His love for you and me. And that is His love for sinners. That's why the love of God, true genuine love of God, it says in one of the passages of Scripture, can even hide multitudes of sin. Isn't it? So this tells us about the love of God. This verse reveals that it's only one thing greater than God's hatred for sin. That is His love for us. Think of how you feel toward a mother, as for an example illustration, like Casey Anthony. Or what despicable feelings you have toward a cannibal like Jeffrey Dahmer. Dahmer isn't it? They made movies out of these people who like, oh, are they really human beings? Probably they are possessed by the devil, by demons, because they did this heinous Heinous sin, horrible sin that no sane person can do. But consider that when Christ saw us in our lost condition, he would have come and take one of those sins upon his own self. But not just one, but all of the world's sin. All of yours and all of mine and everybody's. He literally became sin, as the Bible says, the thing he hated the most. He became sin for us who knew no sin so we can be the righteousness of God through him. So you see, Christ's redemptive, redemptive act was far greater in extent than Adam's sin. Thirdly, 
it is also greater in efficacy. Is that how you pronounce that? All right. Efficacy. Thank you for born and raised here. Amen. With American tongue, thank you for this. Efficacy. Then what Adam did. So what is efficacy? The capacity to produce a desired result. We read in verse 17 a while ago. So take note. Let's look back. Let's use our sanctified imagination in Genesis chapters 1 to 3. When Adam and Eve sinned, what was the desired result? Isn't it? The deception to be like God. All right? Eat this. You will be like God. Uh, he's, you know, hiding something from you. He is like, you know, uh, taking something out from you that you have to have. So they did not take the bite because they wanted to die, isn't it? But they wanted to know what they were missing. Why can't I have this fruit? What are you keeping from me, God? Did their sin produce the desired result? No, the opposite. Actually, they became less like God. Now they are separated from God because of their sin. But you know what? When Jesus died on the cross, what was the desired result? That those he died for would receive him and reign in him in life by him. Did it work? The answer is yes. And we are the result. Amen. We are the manifestation 2,000 years ago. Yes, it's not just God's job to get us saved, but to keep us safe. And in efficacy, it achieves its desired result. That's why I love Philippians 1.6. Amen? Being confident of this very thing, that he which had begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad God, in the person of Jesus Christ, did a good work in you? in the first place when he saved us. And he will fulfill it until we reach glory. Amen? Number four, what Christ did is much greater in essence. Not only in extent, in efficacy, but also in essence than what Adam did. Verse 18 and 19 of the scripture that we have in Romans chapter 5. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. Oh, am I reading? Oh, verse, yes, 18 and 19, but I'm reading on chapter 6, all right? I'm advanced. All right. Chapter 5. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall be many be made righteous. So, Christ, what Christ did is greater in essence. So what does essence mean? According to Mr. Google, the intrinsic nature or indispensable quality of something, especially something abstract that, that, that determines its character. Or like, for example, conflict is the essence of drama. So what Christ did is much greater in essence. So this verse, two verses summarizes the analogy of Adam and Christ. And the essence of Adam was disobedience, as we read, but the essence of Christ was obedience. But this not only means from a legal standpoint, but it means that if you are still in Adam, your whole life is characterized by disobedience. See? Before you got saved, the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth or seeketh after God. 
So in the first place, whatever a man try to do that is good, the Bible says it is still filthy in the eyes of God. It can never please him because he started already condemned, isn't it? Already in sin. That's why it has to be redeemed. You have to be born again. You have to be saved in order to please God. All right? So that speaks of that truth. Some mock and say, if I believe I was eternally secure, I just get saved and go do anything I wanted. You know what? That's a gross mischaracterization of salvation. If you've been truly saved, you will repent of that sin and try to take on a new essence. Amen? Number five and last. Amen. What Christ did is much greater in energy than what Adam did. So it's greater in extent, efficacy in essence, and also in energy. Verses 20 to 21. We read there where sin abounded, grace much more abound. As we can say, somebody said this, when sin hit the high water mark. It's like when we go to a river, isn't it? I remember Mereta River in Ohio. There's a water mark there when there's rain and flood to see if the water level is still safe. If you need to evacuate, isn't it? When sin hit the high water mark, aren't you glad, Christians? Grace completely flooded the entire world. Aren't you glad by God's grace? Once again, what is grace? A simple definition, G-R-A-C-E, acronym. When it comes for uh, an unbeliever to be saved, God's redemption, isn't it? At Christ's expense. But when it comes to a believer, to a child of God, God's riches at Christ's expense. You and I here are billionaires in the eyes of God. We are spiritually rich. Amen? Sometimes you get jealous of uh, or envious of Elon Musk, you know, or Beyonce, or uh, some athlete, or somebody who is, who is made... Uh, what they go? Uh, had the wealth, health, and fame, isn't it? Are made for the rest of their lives. They don't have anything to worry when it comes to finances. But you know what? If they don't have Jesus, they don't have the Lord, it, the greatest days they'll have here on earth is only the great days that they'll have. Compared to eternity, they'll be in a loss. But for a Christian, the worst day that you have here on earth cannot be compared to the greatest days for all eternity that you'll have in heaven. So we're more blessed. Amen? And we just hope and pray that they will also, you know, seek the Lord's will and be saved. Amen? Because that's our desire. God's desire for everybody. That's why we still preach the gospel. So it says there, when sin abound, God's grace more much abound. And that grace was not a late addition to God's plan. Amen? It was in his heart from the very beginning. We call the Old Testament the law, but it's all about grace too. One of the good examples earliest is Noah found grace. Make a joke. That's the name of his wife. Not really. But that's God's undeserved favor, unmerited love. I always say that. Grace is God's unmerited favor, undeserved love toward us sinners. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So did Adam. Kahit di po natin nakita yung word na grace, we saw the graciousness of God. When Adam fell into sin. Because you know what? He removed Adam from the garden. So they will not be tempted to partake the tree of life. Because if they partake the tree of life, they will live in their physical condition for all eternity. 
Because the tree of life is the, the fruit that when you partake it, you will live for eternity in physical form. If allowed to remain, he would have lived forever in that fallen state and never had redemption complete. Because the wages of sin is death. You have to pay for your sin by your own life, by death. Because that's what the Bible says. That's why Christ has to come and die. Who is God, who is infinite, because He's the God-man, amen? He is the Son of God. He infinitely died for the infinite number of men that will be born, because we don't know, that who also do infinitely number of sin, isn't it? Like, how come Christ can die for all men? Because He is God. He is infinite, amen? I, I try to comprehend that. Oh, Lord, just thank you, amen? Just thank you. Because just remember this, how many people sin every day? from the time of Adam until right now, isn't it? If one man can pay for all those sin and cover it, there's only one that's qualified. It's only the Son of God, Jesus, because He's perfect. He's infinite. He's for all eternity. So I shared this uh, last time, and we will close. Amen? Some comparison. Adam came from the earth, but Jesus is the Lord from heaven. The comparison from Adam and Jesus Christ. Adam was tested in the garden, surrounded by beauty and love. But Jesus was tested in a wilderness and died surrounded by ugly hatred. Isn't it? You think about it. Adam and Eve, perfect environment. Everything is provided. Uh, by the way, Adam was given the greatest job on earth. So working is not a curse because of sin, because he was already commanded by God to be the dresser of the garden, a steward, isn't it? Dress it and keep it. It's not just when the curse is given to the world, it's now harder for the ground to produce, isn't it? In the sweat of thy brow, you will work so you can eat. But before, ang lang siguro, no? Sambungkal lang, hanggan lang, meron lang, tutubo. Walang curse, walang thistles, walang thorns yung ano. So he was already working. He named the animals. He's the biologist, zoologist, taxidermist. You know, marami siyang job. But imagine that, you will become like God. He, hindi niya, hindi siya nakontento what he has. Diba? He, he is in the beautiful garden with a beautiful wife. But of course, sin entered into the human race. Eve was tempted first and he fell and he gave to Adam. And Adam, as we learn, sinned with his eyes open, willfully. Eve was deceived, but Adam sinned with his eyes wide open. And still, the fault, the blame was given to man, to Adam as the federal head. All right? That's why women cannot speak in the church. Amen? That's God's design because Adam is the federal head. And, you know, the wife, the woman was created as a helpmeet. Amen? So there's a chain of command because issue ngayon yan sa church eh. So dito sa America, no? Uh, in order yung clergy of a woman. Of course, they have many, many ministries and we live, we need women in the church. Amen, ladies? Well, they minister to Christ when He was here on earth. Amen? They are the ones who are first in the tomb, in the resurrection. Amen? Say so they are good marites, you know? You want to spread the word, good word more, pastor, then have the woman witness it first. God is so... All wisdom and powerful, amen? Able to redeem women, you know? They were there in, in, in the cross when Christ was suffering, isn't it? More women was there. Only John was there. So 
We praise the Lord for our women in the, in the church. Amen? For our wives. But there's a grand, grand, grand design. Eve, it sinned first, and then you know, Adam sinned willfully, so, but God still gave the responsibility toward Adam. But look at that. Jesus was tested in the wilderness. 40 days. Wild animals. Barren. Desert. Alright? And very, very hungry. And then Satan came, you know, commanded these stones be made bread. And then Christ said, Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Every temptation he uses the scripture. But he overcome the temptation through the word of God. Amen? What a difference. And he was surrounded by ugly hatred when he was crucified on the cross. As they spit on him, they mocked him. If thou really the son of God, diba? Isa pa nga, yung, yung malefactor, yung thief. You know, lose yourself. But the other one, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Adam was a thief cast out of paradise. He took what he's not supposed to take. Alright? He disobeyed, but Jesus turned to a thief and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Amen? What a contrast. Next slide. The Old Testament is the book of the generations of Adam, and it ends with a curse. Malachi 4.6. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Parang sad, no? Even Genesis, the first book in the Bible, it ends with death. We see the word coffin, isn't it? It started with life. God created everything. Six literal days, but it ends. But look at the grace of God. Thank God there's the New Testament. There is the second dealing, second chance from God. The New Testament is the book of generations of Jesus Christ, as we read in Matthew, isn't it? And which present Jesus as king, as our ruler. You know? But it ends with no more curse. In Revelation 22, verse 3, this is the gist of this verse. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb of God shall be in it, and his servant shall serve him. All I'm saying, thank God for Jesus Christ. His redemptive act is greater than the condemning act of our first father, Adam. But because of that, Aren't you glad God's grace is greater than man's sin? And the question is, are you in Christ or still in Adam? Let's bow our eyes for prayer. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the wonderful truths of thy word. Thank you, Lord, for just allowing us to, to uh, glance the surface of these wonderful verses. But all in all, Lord, we're thankful. We're thankful for your love to us. We're thankful for our salvation in Jesus. And I hope, Lord, that this will encourage our heart when ta times are tough, that we are eternally secured in Jesus. We have a home in heaven. We have everything that we have, we need in our disposal, Lord, to, to combat the, uh, the challenges of life. And we admit, Lord, there are times that we become weak in our faith. As we have our Sunday school lesson this morning with the feeding of the 5,000, that you are teaching your disciples to have more faith. And thank you, Lord, that our faith can progressively grow through trials and tribulations to things that we see around us. And then we look at your word and we see that you have a truly wonderful plan. And you're still sovereign. You're still on the throne. And everything is under your control. And we just need to believe it, Lord. So help us, Lord, uh, to continue to look upon thee. And just thank you, Lord, for your people, for your children, for the brethren who stayed here this afternoon for having this Bible study, Lord, that we can do it 
at this passage of scripture in Romans. Thank you, Lord, for all what we had gained through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's greater than what we lost. And thank you, Lord, that one of these days we will see that manifestation of your glory, of the things that you store for us, reserved in the heavens, as you said in the book of Ephesians, for a child of God. So, Lord, sana po baunin po namin to this week, and it will motivate us, Lord, to have joy in our lives and uh, to have lighter steps in our walk with you and to see things in uh, a better perspective, Lord. And most of all, Lord, share this wonderful hope and wonderful s story and message of the gospel, the only hope of this world to other people. They may see it in our lives as light and salt and uh, help us to be that uh, testimony, Lord, in word and in deed, and we can only do this, Lord, by your grace, by your help, by your strength, because we cannot depend on our own flesh and our own strength to do this, Lord. And thank you, Lord, for your word that's been shared throughout the whole day in this place. And we know, Lord, it will not return void. It will accomplish its purpose. And thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of thy brethren today. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, folks, for listening. Let me call our song leader right now to close us with a song. All right.